You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Hello and welcome to the February 2016 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name's Shane. I'll be your host today. We're so excited about today's topic because uh, for Perry and I, we've been there. We're talking about uh, this idea that you're not there yet. Insight for leaders under 30. It's been a long time since I've been under 30. Yeah. I'm 44 right now. How old are you? I'm 47. 47. Yeah. So we'll, we're well past the, the 30, but we've got a lot. We've learned lots of lessons. We have. We have. So we can share some of those things. But before we do, we're going to give away another uh, one of those books, the most excellent way to lead book signed by Perry. You can go to perrynoble.com slash giveaway and find how to sign up for that. Also, a new podcast is coming in March of this year. It's called Leaders Ask. We're going to answer, or Perry's going to answer the questions that you ask. And so you can submit your questions uh, at perrynoble.com slash ask. We're actually going to make that a part of this podcast. Oh, it's going to be part of this podcast. What we're going to do is we're going to release like Two podcasts a month. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. so exciting! I yeah. didn't even know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not. We're gonna. Re, we're gonna make it a part of this podcast. It's gonna be so much fun. So we're gonna say what we want to say, yep. and then we're gonna say what they want us to say. That's right, man. Two for one. That's the best thing going right there. Winner. Uh, so uh, with that, let me just pivot into uh, today's topic. Perry, as we mentioned earlier, we're both in our mid forties, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we know what it's like to be a young leader. For most leaders. I know this is true for me. The years before turning 30 are the most frustrating. Yep. We see uh, successes in a lot of things we're doing, but that success doesn't immediately turn into more responsibility, and we can get frustrated. Uh, you've just completed writing an ebook, which is fantastic, by the way. Thanks for letting me read it. Um, and we'll tell you at the end of the show how to get a copy of that. So I thought it'd be good for us to talk specifically to those listeners who are in that stage of their career, and I'm certain that most of what we can talk about or what we will talk about can help all of us because whether you're a leader that's under 30 or you're a leader that's over 30, you're probably leading leaders who are under 30. So there's something in this for everybody. So hopefully we'll all take steps forward in our leadership today. So Perry, let me just just ask this question. What was Perry Noble like before turning 30? He knew everything. He knew everything. I know everything there is to know about the shrimping business. <laughs> I uh, the, so this, this question actually is what caused me to write this ebook. And when I say ebook, I want to pause. It's free, people. And when I say free, I mean free. I mean we're going to give it away. We're going to tell you about more about that at the end of the podcast. But I started thinking about how I operated, how I thought, how I focused, how I did not focus before I was thirty years old. I, I can tell you a few things about me when I was thirty. Um, I thought I knew everything. Um, I thought in absolutes. So you were either 100% on my side or you were 100% my enemy. And there wasn't really a middle ground because I wanted the, the third thing about me is I was very combative. I really wanted to fight people when I was under 30. Um, I'm, uh, number, four, number four is I, I just didn't have a lot of respect for authority. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard. And I had a I had a real unique situation right when I stepped into ministry that was really difficult to navigate. And so finding authority that I could trust before I was 30 years old was really, really, really difficult. Um, I I found it finally, but it took a while. Yep. Yep. Uh, Well, let's talk about those early roles. Tell us, tell our listeners what the first couple of leadership roles you had coming out of college. Well, the first leadership role I had was I got a 
a part-time summer youth ministry job at a really, really small church in Pickens, South Carolina. And most people listening to this podcast have probably never heard of Pickens. You've never been to Pickens, although... Pickens' claim to fame is Tim LaHaye actually pastored a church in Pickens. Was that right? He did. He All did. those people get to go first then. That's right, man. They're going to heaven first. And so, I. Uh, but I stepped in this church. Now, imagine this. The church split a week before I got there. And it wasn't because I was coming, I don't think. Um, but I never had a conversation with the pastor. I never had a conversation with anybody. But the week before I got there, the pastor and the and the I don't know if you'd call them a, the choir director. That's what you'd call them. Yep. They left the church. The church went from 200 in attendance to 100 in attendance. No staff. So my first Sunday at a church on staff, I'd been a Christian less than a year. I was part-time and the only staff member. That was my first day in the ministry. Um, and that's where I discovered there were some things about the church that I loved, and there were some things about the church that I did not love. Um, it was in that church that I learned um, that the person with the position isn't necessarily the leader. The person with the influence is. And so it was at that church that I learned that if I wanted to get something done, I couldn't tell people, this is what I want to get done. It took me about a year and a half to learn, if I want to get something done, I need to go through uh, this couple right here, because this couple right here, I need to ask them about it. They need to tell me it's a good idea. I need to ask them, can they help me get that through? Some people that say that's politics. Uh, no, that's leadership. It's not about the position. It's about the people with influence and influence and the influencers. Um, and so that was my first role. And a, a pastor came in. Finally, they, they convinced some guy to come in and he, um, he didn't like me. And, um, and, and, and that's fair. I, there wasn't a lot about me that was likable. Um, but he, in a very nice way, kind of showed me the door, ran me off. He didn't fire me, but it was coming if I didn't get out. And I went to another church um, where there was a pastor by the name of Bill Rigsby. And I worked for him for six years. And it was through his leadership of me that God really did restore my trust in leadership, because the guy before me, like uh, I could, I've got some great war stories, but Bill was the leader that kind of took me under his wing. And for six years, I did everything in the church, and kind of helped me to kind of walk forward and trust leadership again. Um, let me ask you about the the first one. You said you had to learn to lead through people of influence. Mm-hmm. So how how did you learn that? Did you have some mistakes? So you're, un, you're this your first job, crazy situation. You're trying to figure it out. How did you know that if you really want to get something done at your age in that situation, that to make a difference, you had to lead through people with influence? Well, I just started studying situations. Like in the church, if um, something got done, if something got accomplished, and keep in mind, there was no, there was no pastor. There was no choir director. There was me. And I thought at first that people would listen to me because I held a position, um, but I could speak up, and then um, my friends Carl and Karen could speak up. And when Carl and Karen said something, they're just a great couple in that church, everybody would listen to them. And when I said, I could say the exact same thing, and people would look at Carl and Karen to see if that was a good thing or a bad thing. Um, It was even that way in the student ministry. I, I understood that if we did an event, I only had to really, so we had 10 kids at that, at the church. If we did an event, I had to make sure that two or three kids were there. 
And if those two or three kids were there, every other kid was going to be there. Now, it took me it took me several months to see that, but leadership a lot of times is influencing the influencers and really being a great voice in their life. And so that's I, I learned that it wasn't my position. People weren't going to follow me because of the position that I held. They were going to follow me because of the person I was becoming. And that was a hard lesson to learn. That's really good. Gain trust of the people with influence, leaders under 30. Write that down. That's good. Uh, oh, and, but let me let me just say this. If you're under 30, you say, how do I gain trust? Here's the most frustrating but true answer I can give you. It takes time. The reason people treat you that you're, like you're 23 years old is because you're 23 years old. And there's something magical about that. I'm not saying you're not going to be used of God. I'm just saying it takes time to establish yourself as a leader. But like um, like Dave Ramsey said, who's coming to the conference, by the way, um, in the, in the race between the tortoise and the hare, the tortoise always wins the race. Always. Always. Uh well, let me ask you this about the time uh, under Bill Rigsby. You mentioned your second role. You learned a lot from him. Uh, before we talk about what you learned, during that time period, what caused you the most frustration during that time period? So here was my issue. Um, by the time I got to Bill's church, um, going back to my first church, the youth group doubled. Now, that sounds impressive, but we went from 10 to 20, but I just tell people it doubled. Um, and so I went to the second church, and the youth group was growing. Um, we were seeing life change. It was crazy. If there weren't girls that were dating losers in the youth group. It would have been amazing. But I uh, that happened, allegedly. Um, allegedly. But I, it, yeah, it happens. God, it's one of the biggest <laughs> frustrations in youth ministry. But I think the, the toughest thing at that church was feeling like I was the offensive coordinator on a team, and I knew the plays – for the team to win, but the coach wouldn't run the plays because he was in love with a playbook. And that's not a derogatory statement against Bill. That's just who Bill is, and that's how God called him to lead. And he's probably one of the best pastors slash shepherds I've ever seen in my life. Um, but I would be like, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. And I remember Bill's, uh, he was like, you need to you need to calm down. And I remember thinking, I guess I'm just smarter than Bill. I guess I just know more than Bill. I guess I'm more awesome than Bill. And it was through a very humbling process that God, and in fact, I remember this story so well. Um, Bill asked me to change the church sign. And you know the church, you know church signs, you know, they have them out front. Oh, yeah. Get saved or microwave. We live in the South. Get right or get left, turn or burn. Our, our church is prayer conditioned. Our Sundays are better than Baskin Robbins. I could go, I mean, I just hate them all. <laughs> and I'm, I doubt very seriously that somebody has ever driven by a church and said, wow, their Sundays are better than Baskin Robbins. I think I need to go. Um, but I just remember um, Bill coming to my office and going, you need to go change the church sign. And uh, he gave me this thing. He, he he read Life's Little Instruction Book. You remember when that thing came out? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, he read it and went through and wrote down his favorite sayings. And um, Bill's probably not listening to this podcast, but, I mean, I told him then they were they were horrible. And first of all, I didn't want to be seen putting that up. Um, but I, I just remember thinking, I don't want to do this. And then I thought, you know what? I've been here for about two or three years. This ministry's growing. I started a children's ministry in this church. We're seeing life change. I am awesome, and this is a little beneath me. Like changing a church sign, like anybody can do that. Ask me to write a sermon, Bill. Ask me to preach for you on Sunday, Bill. Ask me to lead something for you, but change a church sign? And so um, 
it was hysterical because I was like, oh, I don't want to change it. And he was like, well, you need to go change this. And I was so arrogant that I went and found a copy of the uh, Constitution and Bylaws of the church, um, found where the publicity committee, because in a Baptist church, you had a committee for everything, found where the publicity committee was supposed to change the church sign. Like, that was their job. It was in the bylaws. I, I, I made a copy of it, highlighted it, and put it on his desk and went home and thought, I've just proved my point. The next day, I walk into my office. There's a copy of my job description on my desk with the, the line highlighted, um, you were responsible to do other duties as assigned by the senior pastor. And it had a note on it that said, change the sign. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, I'm either going to get fired or I'm going to change the sign. So I went out to change this stupid sign and I'm bitter and I'm mad. I'm sweating and it's summer and I'm frustrated. And it was it was during the changing of that sign that I realized, you know what? He's my leader. And I need to do whatever he – as long as he's not asking me to do something sinful, I just need to do whatever he asked me to do. Because it, and, and so from that point on, I did. And I learned later on, I heard somebody much wiser than me say, if you want to have authority one day, you've got to learn to submit to authority now. And as I look back, I honestly believe, had I not gone out and changed that church sign, I might not be the pastor here today because I had to learn to say, you know what? I'm going to follow my leadership, and even when I don't necessarily agree with the play call, we're still on offense, and I'm going to still follow his lead. And God, God had me in that role for about two or three more years, so I could, I could learn that. That's really great. The you know two things jump out to me about that story. Number one, I can't believe he didn't fire you because hey, that's listen, really, really bad. Listen, Shane, I want to pause. <laughs> I've told him this to his face. One of the greatest miracles in the history of Christianity is Bill Rigsby <laughs> did not fire me. He, I, Can you imagine having me as a staff member for six years? He, I, I constantly was in trouble, um, not with him, but with the deacons. I caused, um, I know for a fact, I caused the biggest giver in our church to leave our church. Um, but it was, it was during that, I saw Bill tell him, if you want to go, go. I'm backing Perry. So yeah. after that, I was like, I'll change the sign every day. Like, I had a leader that had my back, but I can't believe I he didn't that. fire me. Well, that was going to – actually, that's the second thing I, I was going to point out, that here's a, a guy with a lot of experience who had the security to try to coach you up because he saw potential in you. Yeah. And yeah. so for the, for the listeners out there who maybe have some of these young bucks working for them and want to run them off every time they do something crazy – what did Bill do? And you mentioned it, like he said he had your back. I mean, what did that mean to you? And how has that shaped you as a leader even today, seeing him stand up for you back then? Well, here's the funny thing. Bill, sta Bill still stands up for me. We're in the same community, and Bill still stands up for me to this day. But the thing that Bill did for me as I was under 30 is Bill allowed me to make mistakes. When I made a mistake, he uh, – I think, and this is another miracle, I can remember Bill raising his voice to me one time, ever. And it was in the middle of a pretty big controversy where it looked like our church might split. And he looked at me, and he raised his voice. He said, Perry, I'm trying to save the church here. And I just remember calming down and saying, well, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. Um, and the church didn't split. Um, and so it was great. But 
he was willing to allow me to make mistakes. And this was the deal we had. This was the deal we had. And I, this is where I get this from. Bill would always tell me, just don't let me be surprised. If you're going to do a food fight in the, the fellowship hall, tell me you're going to do a food fight in the fellowship hall. That way, if somebody comes to me and goes, did you know that Perry did this? He can say, he told me, he said, I could say, yeah, I heard about it. It was awesome. What'd you think? <laughs> he said, don't ever let me be surprised. And, you know, that I learned if he knew, and as long as he knew, I pretty much had free game. He probably, he'd let me do whatever I wanted, but he had to know what I was going to do and why I was going to do it. And that was real tough for me because I didn't want to, I didn't need to tell anybody. Right. But I was like, you know what? If, if my leader's going to have my back, then he's got to understand what I'm doing and my mentality behind it. Because there's several times he stepped in and said, hey, I don't think I can do that, and saved, saved my job. Oh, that's good. And I'll say this to leaders under 30 or any leader, if you work for somebody who doesn't have your back, you need to just go ahead and start finding a leader who does, find a new place to work. Um, let me ask you this. Looking back, what do you think the main problem you had, I know probably I had, probably any leader under 30 has, what do you think the main problem is? Impatient. Like you see something. For In my case, it was the church, but you could be – um, you are in the insurance industry. Yep. Um, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, and you see what could be. You see the potential for change, but you can't do anything about it. And you feel like if it doesn't change, it's going to shipwreck. It's going to, you know, um, implode. And just thinking that you know what to do and not being able to do it is one of the biggest frustrations. And if you're a leader under 30, I would tell you if that's the situation you're in, you need to continue to be as faithful as you can with what you have and trust God for the future. Be as faithful as you can with what you have and trust God for the future. And if you're somebody leading people under 30, keep this in mind. You were in their shoes once too, and you weren't nearly as smart as you think that you were. As I look back under 30, most of the successes that I had were accidental. Um, it was like, hey, I tried something and it worked. Uh, and so just be real patient with them. Because if you'll provide an environment where they can grow, where they can make mistakes and fail forward, um, right now they're under 30. In 10 years, they'll be under 40. But your organization, your church, your business, whatever, will, will grow exponentially because you have people that you've believed in enough to let them make mistakes. That's good. Uh, Perry, I know you're a Bible guy, and so i got to ask this question. Does the Bible give us any insight on this issue of being under 30? Yeah, so I remember learning about this when I was under 30, and I didn't really buy in until I really started studying it. But three of the greatest leaders in the Bible, um, Joseph, coat of many colors, Joseph, um, not Jesus' dad, Joseph, um, and then there's David, and then um, there's Jesus, three great leaders. All of them, if you research Scripture, they got their launch into leadership when they were about 30 years old. Joseph had a pretty strong vision at the age of 17. He said, hey, um, he told all his brothers, all you guys are going to bow down to me one day. Now, here's the thing about his vision. It was true. If you read the end of that story, they all come in and they all bow down. But Joseph had to understand something. As a 30-year-old, his brothers bowing down to him wasn't about him being great. It was about God using him to do something great. Yep. And so from the ages of 17 to the ages of 30, Joseph was in prison. 
He was um, a slave to Potiphar's house. He was in prison. But as we talk about in the in the book, he was in a political prison. Where's the best place in the world to learn about politics? Political prison. Shady politicians who are down there telling you, and there's like one or two probably um, that could tell you, hey, this is what's going on. So God had him. Some people look at it and say God had him in a prison for 13 years. But I look at it and say God had him in a classroom for 13 years as a slave to Potiphar, who was second in command of all of Egypt, because he was one day going to have to lead the Egyptian armies. And then um, in prison, he learned how to... I mean, the Bible says very specifically that Joseph was such a good prisoner that he was put in charge of the prison. Now, that's probably not on anyone's job description. What do you want to be? I want to lead the prison one day. But because he led the prison, he was able to step into the palace. If he never works in the prison... He never steps in the palace. Same thing with David. David um, was promised the throne of Israel. Some people say 14. Some people say 15. Some people say 16. Let's just say he was a teenager. He didn't actually become king until he was 30 years old. He spent 13 years running from Saul. Now, here's the question. How does a king best identify with the people of the land? He travels the land. He knows the land backwards and forwards. So God just had to put a psychopath king in David's pursuit. He travels the land. He knows it, so he actually knows the kingdom that he rules over when he becomes the king. Um, Same thing with Jesus. We know one story about Jesus before he was 30. He ran away from home when he was 12. You remember that story? Yeah, so uh, he he ran back to the temple, um, and then between there and 30, at best we have speculation. He was a carpenter. That's what we know. Um, but these three great leaders all stepped from pretty much a, an a stage of obscurity and nobody really knew who they were to, oh my gosh, this is a leader that's going to make a difference. That's really good. You know, it says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Yep. And so you could say the same was true about David. The same was true about Joseph. Yep. These guys that developed during this quote unquote sub time of suffering, God was using what was happening to them now to prepare them for what was going to happen next. Well, your time of suffering is nothing more than a setup. Yeah. Your suffering is a setup for what God wants to do because he never wastes pain. He never wastes tragedy. He never wastes those lessons that we learn in the prison and in the cave um, and in obscurity. All of those things have a purpose, and God's going to bring them out one day. Well, with that being said, what advice would you give the leaders out there who are under 30? Number one, take a deep breath and understand that God is sovereign. Number two, read and study as much as you can. Um, gosh, Shane, the information available to us today at the click of an app. Um, I bet you didn't know this, and this is kind of funny and kind of ironic, but I started um, Hebrew lessons uh, this past Thursday. Did you? Yeah, I can learn Hebrew. I'm gonna learn Hebrew. Isn't that kind of funny? I'm learning Hebrew, but I'm not making that up. I'm, I'm still l- trying to learn English. I, I I just gave up. I gave up <laughs> on English. But you, you know how I've, I've got an app on my phone, and I've got the whole Rosetta Stone thing where I can look at oh, it on yeah. computer and app and whatever. Learn as much as you can. Read as much as you can. Educate yourself as much as you can. And if you're in a church or a business, this is what I would tell you is get to understand the heart of your leader. Because if you will get to understand the heart 
of your leader, your leader will empower you with more, um, not just responsibility, but authority. Um, if you will just get to know their heart. That's so good. You know, I'm always reminded too of, um, first Timothy four twelve, and I pulled this up because young leaders, it's simple. It, Paul told Timothy, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Steward well what you have, like Perry said earlier, and uh, all those good things will happen. Uh, well, Perry, let me ask you this. Um, do all these things just magically go away when you turn 30? Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, you don't have to a, worry about it. A fairy it. <laughs> appears, sprinkles dust on you. and <laughs> So how do we guard ourselves, though? after 30 from falling into the same type of mentality. So when I was around 30, when we started the church, I thought I knew everything. And about three months in, I realized I don't know what I'm doing. So I've just made it. Um, my, my motto is I'm a, I'm a student first. I'm a leader second. Um, and I, that's just a posture that I've decided to carry throughout my life. I'm a student. I want to know what is succeeding and then, I don't want to know what I don't. I want to. I don't want to know just what. I want to know why. So right now I'm reading um, books on history. I'm reading books on business. I'm reading books on um, church. I'm reading books on. I'm, I'm studying leadership articles. I want to know why. Like here's here's my thing. Why did Uber explode on the scene? And I mean, it's going to put the taxi cab industry. I mean, it, it's already put a hurting on them. But, like, if you can find out the reason for that, it really does play into church. It really does play into um, somebody that you and I have came across lately and, and, and benefited greatly from is Donald Miller. Oh, yeah. Um, Donald Miller was StoryBrand. When he mapped out for me um, how, to, how a story is told, it changed the way I preached. It completely changed the way I preached. But I'm a student. I want to learn. I want to know um, what he's doing, and I want to know why he's doing it. And once he explained the why, that's what I would say. If you're under 30, or even if you're over 30, um, you've got to be a student because the day that you know it all, you don't know a thing. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's it's just true. Always learning. Well, hey, we promised this earlier as we wind down today. Why don't you tell everybody how they can get a free copy of this new ebook you wrote? You can go to newspringnetwork.com, newspringnetwork.com, um, and, and, or you can go to my website, perrynoble.com, and there will be a button or a link on there. But newspringnetwork.com, if you have an account with us, um, all you got to do is sign in and download your ebook. It's free. If you don't have an account with us, it takes – how long does it take? 15 seconds. 15 seconds to set up an account with us, and we'll send it to you for free. And when I, we say free, we really do mean free. I'm not going to send you half the book and then charge you for the other half, okay? Now, if you want a printed copy, I think that's going to be something like five bucks, and you can, we, we can, all that information will be on the page. But this is a free ebook designed for leaders under 30 based on the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. And it's great for leaders under 30 and people who lead people under the age of 30. Yeah, it's really fantastic. One, one of the absolutely one of the best things you've written. I've read it and it is phenomenal. So don't miss out on that. I would say this, though. You, you, you said if I could go back, if I could sit down with leaders under 30, and, and I've already said this, but um, I would reiterate it. Just whatever your leader gives you to do, if it's not sinful, 
do it. But do it better. I get this idea from David, and this is in my book, The Most Excellent Way to Lead, but um, remember when David told, remember Saul told David, hey, you can have my daughter for a hundred Philistine foreskins. Now, a little gross, a little intense, but David goes out and he gets 200. Now, I feel sorry for the dude that had to count, but yeah. nonetheless, I mean, I'm like, you know, David said, you know what? I'm not going to do just what my leader asked me to do. I'm going to do it better. And it goes back to a practical story where um, Bill didn't ask me to go get anybody's foreskin, um, but he did ask me Whoa. to do, yeah, right? <laughs> That'd been weird. I wouldn't have done that. But he did ask me to host a senior adult luncheon one time. He was like, hey, we've got nobody to do this. You need to do this. Now, the last thing on planet Earth that I think I would love to do is host a senior adult luncheon. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So when they came in, man, we had balloons. We had games. I did, Shane, I did musical chairs with senior adults. Oh my. It was the most amazing thing. And they loved it because we played George Strait. Um, <laughs> and they loved it. But afterwards, because this was my thing. If I do too good, I might be in charge of this thing. So I don't want it. But I was like, you know what? He's asked me to do this. I'm just going to do it. And what was awesome about that was I didn't know this was going on, but but Bill was trying to get the senior adults to buy into my leadership. Yep. So he kept putting me in environments with senior adults. And I didn't want to be in environments. He asked me to take them to the beach one time, taking senior adults to the beach for a senior adult convention. I mean, it was me and and every 90-plus-year-old in South Carolina at Myrtle Beach. Um, what's really funny about that trip is I had to explain to them why we could not go to Hooters because they didn't know. They were like, well, my son ain't there, and he thinks it's good. And I'm like, uh. So um, talking, I was talking senior adults out of going to Hooters. That's hilarious. But what happened was Bill wanted me to lead that trip. I led that trip. There were five couples on that trip, four of whom could not stand me. I didn't know this. I, I, I mean, I didn't know that. Well, I knew they hated me, but not to the extent that they confessed later on in the trip. But on that trip, God changed the heart mm. of all four of those couples. And when we came back, they were the biggest raving fans of the student ministry and the college ministry. The temperature in the church changed. I wound up preaching a couple of their funerals. I mean, wow. we got really, really, really close. But... I wouldn't have ever done it had I not listened to my leader and said, you know what? You asked me to do that. Not only am I going to do it, but I'm going to do it better than you asked me to do it. Yeah. What a great story. What a great way to end this month's podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys next time.